Now, it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Your host, Teresa E. Keeves, is a professional mediator, here to educate, inform, enlighten, and inspire everyone about the great benefits in the process of professional mediation to resolve conflicts, disagreements, and disputes relating to business or personal matters. Now, here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to my fabulous and beautiful listeners out there. My name is Teresa E. Keeves, and I am your host for Put It All on the Table through Mediation, broadcasting on the thegreattalkzone.com. And I so appreciate and I am so grateful for all of you out there for tuning into my show. And I appreciate those who download my show as well. I'm telling you, God is good. That's all I'm saying. Oh, my goodness. We are in March already. Time is not marching on. It's flying by. And Easter is this is this month. It's on the 27th, the last Sunday as well. Another while for that. So how are you out there, my fabulous listeners? Just doing great. I hear you all saying there in the background. It's another beautiful day here in sunny, very warm Arizona, where the temperature is expected to be a high of 90 degrees again. Okay. But, you know, that's going to change because the temperatures are going to dip into the 60s in a couple of days. Okay, global warming is all I'm saying. You know, as I was talking to my uh, family members in Chicago this week, they were shoveling snow this past Tuesday. And, um, you know, and my sister-in-law tells me that she's out shoveling and sweeping the snow and all that. I'm just like, gosh, I'm. I don't know. Global warming is affecting all of us. So I know a lot of us say that we're glad that we're here in Arizona. But, you know, we have our thing, too, with these high temperatures. I got a question for you guys. Did any of you look at the Oscars this past Sunday? Well, I did. And, um, you know, having been a model in my life, you know, I love fashion. So, you know, I love looking at the fashion on these award shows. And this Oscar hosted by Chris Rock was a good show. But what I want to say is that Leonardo DiCaprio, he finally won an Oscar for his role in Revenant, which I have yet to see. But anyway, during uh, Leonardo's acceptance speech, he mentioned how he and the crew had to travel the earth to look for snow. He says that global warming is real. And I'm throwing in that there is nothing false about it. You can believe that. All right, guys, listen. So our talk today is titled The Pains of Suicide Should Never Be Kept in the Closet with my guest Sandy Roberts, who recently published a book titled We Need to Talk About Suicide and the World's Best Mental Health Therapist, Rachel C. Campbell. Now, these are two dynamite and intelligent individuals who have a great deal of knowledge and hands on experience on this subject matter. And, you know, with the rise of suicide rate in this country, particularly among our youth, it is very important that people are, um, you know, are, are advised of the signs of suicide and they know or at least have some knowledge for the reasons regarding suicide. And should someone know that they themselves have suicidal tendencies, you know, well, we are going to tell you how to get help and where to get help for yourself and or if someone know of a person who has mentioned taking their life and are not sure how to help them. This discussion is going to enlighten, you know, you, my listeners, a great deal. Now, I want to say a few things before bringing my fabulous guest on. 
On Tuesday of this week, there was a news report that another beautiful young lady on her way to high school here in Arizona was hit by a car. Now, this is the second occurrence of a driver hitting a high school student as they were on their way to school. Now, the thing is that both incidents are within the same area of each other, and they both happen within a little over a month time span. Both drivers of these incidents did cooperate with law enforcement. Here's what I want to say to drivers here in Arizona. Please slow down. If you are running late, guys, let, you know, there is nothing you can do. You know, you cannot make up time. Be more mindful of time and leave earlier knowing that the traffic here in Arizona, especially in the a.m. and p.m., can be a bear. Also be mindful when, you know, driving around schools, you know, there are pedestrians and pedestrians have the right of way. And on the flip side, children, if you're listening to me, please be mindful as you are out and about you know, going back and forth to school as you are crossing the streets, you know, no looking on your devices. You got to be cognizant of the present. That's all. All right. Let's get to it. It is shout out time. Now, I want to give a shout out to the Oscars and the host Chris Rock for how well he handled the controversy regarding the lack of diversity in the Oscar nomination for people of color. Now, he addressed it in somewhat of a humor, Chris Rock fashion, but it was tastefully done to get the point across of how silly, stupid, and uncalled for there to be racism within this organization. He addressed the fact that uh, it was a call for him to step down as host in protest. Well, he stated that that's always there's always someone telling you to leave a job as they are unemployed and he wasn't going to uh, lose another job. That wasn't going to happen. So, um, and, and neither was Chris Rock one sided in his comments either regarding the racism within the Oscars organization. You know, he, um, went to this theater within the black community, for example, and he interviewed black individuals in front of this movie theater and questioned them about what movies they were you know, that were primarily all white cats. Okay. None of the black interviewees that Chris Rock interviewed were familiar with the top movies being nominated, such as Revenant, The Danish Girl, Joy, Room, The Bridge of Spies. Now, one interviewee, guys, even asked Chris Rock if he was joking. Were there such movies out by the names he was asking? And she was basically a movie buff. Well, ap- apparently not. You see, guys, for me, this shows that we all, as a people, as a collective, have room to grow. That there is a need for people to be educated across the board about the beauty of growth and knowing and learning about other cultures, about what else does this world have to offer to expand our mind other than staying stagnant in what, you know, a person was taught by family members and others and the talking heads on television. Okay, I have always enjoyed going to the movies and seeing plays that are on Broadway and those that are not being open minded and venturing over to positive territories, you know, as you guys know, is what can open up tremendous opportunities for dreams and goals that were never thought of. Now, there are a tremendous amount of actors and actresses 
in every race that are phenomenal. The thing is, guys, is that God did not lack a purpose or a talent of love on any of us. It is up to us to find out what our purpose is here on earth and move forward being all that you can be. Now, my next shout out is to Lady Gaga for that beautiful song she sang at the Oscars title, Till It Happens to You. She was dressed in all white and playing on an all white piano. And this is the song she wrote paying homage to victims of rape and other violent acts. Time.com says this is the song from the documentary, The Hunting Ground. Now, this is a film that addresses the issue of sexual assault on college campuses, and the song takes a more personal approach inspired by Lady Gaga's own experience of being raped at 19. And by the way, her grandmother, who was viewing her performance, had no idea because she never mentioned it to her grandmother or any anything like that. And they were very saddened about it, but also proud that she was taking this stance. Now, the singer was introduced by Vice President Joe Biden, who encouraged viewers to take a pledge on, uh, take a pledge on called itsonus.org. Now, a pledge that says, I will intervene in situations when constant, when consent, I'm sorry, when consent has not or cannot be given. He continued, we can change the culture so that no abused woman or man like the survivors you'll see tonight have to ask themselves, what did I do? They did nothing wrong. There were very few dry eyes in the house as Gaga poured her soul into the song and dozens of survivors. They were both male and female, you guys, and they walked out on the stage and they had messages that were inscribed on their arms like, uh, you know, not your fault. You know, it was it was great. I mean, I teared up. So if you did not see this performance, I invite you to go online and view it and or download the song. It's very powerful. It is very poignant. And look, guys, on a side note, I thought Lady Gaga and Charlize Theron were the best dressed at the event. Okay, that concludes my shout out time. All right. Let's bring on my guest. He is a frequent guest on my show. His name is Reginald C. Campbell. I refer to him because it's true. He is the world's best mental health therapist. He has over 30 years of experience and knowledge in the field of social work and mental health therapy. He is a big asset to his employer as he spearheaded opening up an office in Yuma to take care of the mental health needs for individuals in that part of the state. He is certified in BSM-5 Diagnostic, Child Welfare Caseworker, Mental Health Professional with a BA in Mass Communications and Liberal Arts. He is a member of the American Counseling Association and Psychological Association. He has 11 years of experience in dealing with the beginning, middle, and ending states of HIV and AIDS, and he has 21 years as a psychological caseworker, juvenile court experience, and client substance abuse issues. Now, my next guest is Sandy Roberts. She is also a returning guest on my show, and I refer to her as a phenomenal woman. 
She is an adjunct faculty at the Psychological Department of Phoenix College. She is a board member of the Arizona Association for Conflict Resolution, where she helps schools implement peer helper and mediation programs. She has been in the crisis and behavioral health field for over 20 years. She has a master's degree in clinical psychology and she is certified by the state of California Department of Mental Health as a trainer of trainers in crisis intervention and suicide prevention. Prevention. I'm sorry. She also assists clients to understand how they and others show up in their personal and professional behavior and communication. She also works with those in ultra high stress and highly visible professional positions and careers. Now, this includes the military, the police, the fire, the government, corporations, and the sports field. She can now add author to her boudoir of talents, and she just released a book about suicide titled We Need to Talk About Suicide. It is in paperback, guys, and it is also formatted for for Kindle. She also has written an article titled 10 Things You Need to Know About Why Teens contemplate suicide and if i'm missing anything she and Reginald will tell me okay both of my guests have a have a fabulous resume good morning Reginald and sandy and welcome to my show good morning and thank you for having me you're welcome hi sandy how are you this morning hi Teresa. <clears throat> i'm great and that and hi reggie good morning sandy how are you I so uh, I so appreciate you guys for being here on my show and and um getting ready to have a great discussion about the pains of suicide should never be kept in the closet. Okay. Now we're going to get started and I'm going to ask this question Reginald of you and then we're going to take a break and then you can reply, okay? Okay. All right. All right. The title of my show today is The Pains of Suicide Should Never Be Kept in the Closet. I felt this to be an appropriate title, Reginald, because there are so many acts of suicidal attempts. Some are failed attempts and some are completed suicide. You know, they actually take go through it. And this is happening in our country today. And it's not one certain group that is involved in this tragedy. Our military personnel, they are coming from serving our country, our school students who have been terrified from cyberbullying or blatant gossip or the pressure of a student, you know, uh, from their parents for scholastic achievement, you know, to a loss of a loved one. Now, Reginald, the numbers are escalating in this country regarding suicide, okay, in our society. Now, when we come back, I want you to tell our listeners what are some of the drivers of these, you know, massive suicide attempts that are affecting our country and particularly our youth? So get up and stretch, get your tea and come back with me. that bullying in the workplace and in our schools, whether it's grammar schools or high schools, is becoming more and more prevalent. This includes the rise of verbal abuse and physical abuse to our senior citizens. As a matter of fact, bullying is on the cusp of becoming a dominant occurrence in today's society. 
For example, CareerBuilder.com survey of 2012 noted that about 50% of all workplace bullying goes unreported. And NBC News reported that bullying statistics of 2013 for senior citizens is on the rise in America. And that statistics for bullying-related incidences in our schools, well, unfortunately, it is on the rise. If you find yourself being bullied in school or in the workplace and you need someone to help resolve your differences with professionalism, fairness, impartiality, and given a platform to be heard, give me a call. Professional mediator Teresa E. Keyes at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. Now it's time to put it all on the table through mediation. Here's your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning um, with me and my great guest, Reginald C. Campbell, the world's best mental health therapist, and Sandy Roberts, um, who is a professional in the mental health arena as well and now an author. We are discussing the pains of suicide should never be kept in the closet. Before break, um, I was posing a question to Reginald regarding um, if he could uh, tell, you know, talk to us, me included, about what are some of the drivers of why this, you know, suicide is really starting to escalate, particularly among our young youth here. Well, the main reason that a, a person would look for suicide is hopelessness is that they don't mm-hmm. feel that anything, that their situation or anything can get better. And be it um, a teenager, uh, be it a patient, uh, you know, as you stated, I worked with uh, patients in the beginning, ending, and middle stages of beta DNA. Uh, so a patient may feel that their situation is hopeless. Um, teenagers or children, if they're being bullied, um, they don't see a way out. It's happening every day to them that they have spoken to someone about it and they uh, have not received any help or there's no one that they can speak to to receive help. Uh, so it, it, suicide is under that obstacle. Well, you have suicide and then hopelessness, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's the driving force behind suicide. And suicide is uh, what I articulated before. And also, if you remember uh, 20, 25 years ago with uh, Dr. Jack Kevorkian, uh was assistant suicide patients, uh, mm-hmm. patients who were um, uh, inflicted with a life-threatening illness, and, you know, they saw no way out. They were tired of the pain, and he would assist them in taking their life. Uh, this is something that uh, happens in Europe as well, it's, uh, you know, assistance uh Wow. Sandy, I'd like to hear what you feel about this question that I uh, posed to Reginald. Oh, he's so spot on. Um, the hopelessness uh, and sometimes uh, on the other side of that part of, of the coin, and especially when it's something revolving <clears throat> around a relationship breakup, is kind of a, um, I'll be dead, you'll be sorry. And it's it's almost like actually being dead is not what's in consideration. It's ending the pain and not having to go through it anymore 
and mm-hmm. wanting to know that someone cares. And mm-hmm. it can get into a, a into that zone where someone actually acts on the threat. And, and you know, obviously we're not talking about something that there's clear thinking going mm-hmm. on. Uh, you know, we're, we're not in our, in our best, most rational place. So mm-hmm. to be thinking something like, I'll be dead, you'll be sorry, and that um, makes sense to them in the sense of they think that by threatening to do that, the person will see, you know, how much they mean to each other, et cetera, and everything will be fine. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. unless there is some counseling, et cetera, uh, everything isn't fine, and mm-hmm. sometimes the person will act on it accidentally or on purpose. Wow, that's really sad. You know, it, you know, because I'm such an advocate for people in general, but particularly, you know, our youth and the elderly. And I have said this, you know, so many times and, um, you know, you guys are the professionals, but I'm going to say that, you know, our our children are born with a lot of hope when they enter uh, this earth, God's earth and the hopelessness, um, uh, Reginald, does the hopelessness come from, you know, the, the you know family, you know, not being, the, you know, the strong, willed, loving, uh, doting family? Is this what brings hopelessness on upon our children? It, 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 it's one of the factors, um, and, and as Sandy stated so articulately, that um, it, it's wanting the pain to stop, and, mm-hmm. and so yes, it, that, that, that's one of one of the many factors. Um, if, uh, you know, a child comes from a, a family, a dysfunctional uh, situation where uh, there's they're substance abuse in, in the house, both parents are uh, doing drugs, and, and the, uh, the authorities come in and remove the children. Um, they, there's five children. All five of the children are going to different foster homes. So, you know, this kid's world has just been torn apart, and, uh, you know, there that hopelessness comes in. It's like, oh, wait a minute, my my family is gone. The little family that I do, even though it was dysfunctional, this was my family, and now mm-hmm. I don't have that. And so now mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, the pain, the hopelessness that can come in, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, all of those factors can, uh, can come in as well. Wow. Okay, now, Sandy, in the article that you wrote titled 10 Things You Need to Know About Why Teens Contemplate Suicide, and by the way, it was a very well-written article, but, you know, I I also want to say that as I was, you know, in part of your book description, you state that the fear of talking about suicide is the unacknowledged proverbial elephant in the room. Why do you think, Sandy... That suicide is such a hard topic to discuss, particularly when someone notes that this is what's happening to their loved one. You know, why is it so hard? I, it's very fear-driven. It, it's very, if I mention this, it'll give them the idea to do it, or it'll acknowledge that it's something that they should do. And then the person who's afraid to talk about it, afraid to say, are things so bad you're thinking suicide is your solution? Uh, the person who can't say that, who avoids it, uh, it's, it is that elephant in the room. It's the unspoken issue 
that the person who is feeling suicidal has that in their head. It feels so loud that it feels like everybody can hear what they're thinking. Have you ever mm. had a time where something was on your mind and you, you just, you, it, you're thinking about it so much that you just mm-hmm. feel like people can read your mind? I mean, you feel like if you, you won't even have to open your mouth. It's like they can tell. And people mm-hmm. can't tell. And people are afraid to bring it up because their fear is that they'll give someone the idea to do it. And mm-hmm. that is not possible. You can, you know, obviously it's like that old TV commercial, I could have had a V8. You you know, slap your head. You cannot give someone the idea. If someone is feeling suicidal, trust me, they know they're feeling that way. The best Mm -hmm. thing that you can do is get it out on the table and talk about it. And that when I, when I say for the title of the book, we need to talk about suicide, I am Mm -hmm. so serious that that is one of the leading ways that we can help prevent it is by getting people to talk about it. Mm-hmm. That brings me, thank you very much, Sandy, for that. That brings me to um, what, um, you know, my brother uh, Reginald says a lot, you know, that communication is a wonderful thing. You know what I'm saying, Reginald? So what do you think about uh, why suicide is such a hard topic to discuss. You know, um, Sandy brought up the, the, the communication. I mean, why is it so hard to communicate that? Well, it's such a taboo subject, and, and you know, it, it, it scares people. It scares people that, uh, you know, hey, I might lose my loved one. My loved one is, is, is thinking about this, and, you know, maybe if I don't talk about it, but... Uh, you know, it, it's putting it on the table, it's, it's talking about it, it's allowing that person to speak on it, and the person uh, who is that way, they're actually person who, or person or people that they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, power person who may be uh, considering uh, taking their life, and we can the people not grab them. Uh, and even staff with them uh, to educate them on 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 how they what what uh, to to assist person. But it's such it's such a taboo subject, and uh, you know some uh, uh, religious people you know have said you suicide. You know you hell. You know you have all of these scary things like that. You know, and so that's what some of the things I think. That Yeah, because, you know, as I was doing my, um, you know, research uh, to educate myself more, because I, you know, I find it very interesting, particularly since, um, you know, Sandy has, you know, been uh, such an advocate for this. And it's 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 very interesting and, you know, it's quite scary and it's quite sad at the same time. You know, that, that this is, that this is going on. And the thing about it is that it's not a lot of conversation about it. You know, it's not a lot of conversation about it. Okay. We're going to be taking a break here in, um, a couple of minutes, but I just want to say that, you know, as I was doing my research, uh, I came across a website called nobullying.com. And, you know, and, and listeners, listen, as I'm talking about these websites, if any of you want to know more about um, 
uh, the subject that we're talking about here on hand, suicide, please jot down these websites and or, you know, my my show is recorded so you can always go back and listen to it because these, you know, this contain very helpful information on the serious matter. But this is a nobullying.com website and it has a great deal of information and referral materials as well for anyone who is out there listening to this broadcast so you can get better acquainted with suicide should the need be. Now, having said that, uh, Reginald and Sandy, I am quickly going to go through the list of the common suicide, suicide statistics from this website. Okay. Now they say that almost 5,000 lives are lost each year due to suicide. Almost half of the suicides that occur are done using firearms with suffocation coming in at a close second and poison falling in at third. And boys have a higher possibility of committing, of committing suicide. And Native Americans and Alaskans have the highest rate of suicide in the race. I mean, that's, and then one more I want to say. At the same time, however, girls are much more likely to report an attempt or thought of suicide than boys are. Okay. Now, with having said all of that, uh, Sandy and Reginald, there are risk factors that are associated leading a young person to commit suicide. For, for example, this article states to be aware of history of family suicide as well, because sometimes depression can be developed uh, genetically, which can also lead to suicide. Now, when I come back, I want to I want to start with you, Sandy, and then Reginald, I want you to answer after. Can you give our listeners some of the risk factors that are involved with what I just stated. Okay. So we're going to take a break, ladies and gentlemen, get up and stretch and come back with me. Do you have disagreements with your landlord regarding your home or apartment that you are renting? Or have you fallen behind in your HOA payments and you cannot reason with the HOA Association for resolution of your issues? I can assist you. I am an independent professional mediator. My name is Teresa E. Keyes. Give me a call at 480-283-7270 or email me at Teresa at mediationtalkshow.expert. You do not have to litigate your disagreements. They can be professionally mediated. The process of professional mediation is an effective, efficient, timely, and less costly method for resolving your disputes. Please give me a call for a 0283-7270. You're listening to Put It All on the Table Through Mediation with Teresa E. Keeves. Thank you for returning with me, my guests Reginald C. Campbell and Sandy Roberts. As we are discussing the pains of suicide, suicide should never be kept in the closet. Now, previous to going on uh, break, I posed a question to my guest about um, can they give, you know, me and um, um, our listeners, um, uh, our listeners and um, about, um, you know, risk factors. So I'm going to start with you, um, Sandy, because it says that, you know, that it is thought that around 25 attempts at suicide are made for every successful suicide. Now, the risk factors that I came across said that there are many risk factors 
that can potentially lead a young person to commit suicide. And they said that if the parent or guardian knows, you know, of these risk factors, then they, they could probably, you know, help them out of this dangerous situation. Yes, for sure. You know, um, mm-hmm. So there, there's there's two things that that I tend to like people to keep in mind as far as what draw what's the underlying sort of drive belt for this, and that and that's kind of what I call the past. And one of them is the person is angry, the other the person feels hopeless. So those are two completely different emotions that are going on, but both distinctly lead to the same. Um, ultimate attempt in that. So someone who's angry may be saying something like, I'll be dead, you'll be sorry. They might be more likely to take someone with them uh, in murder-suicide. Their behavior is very reckless, um, and there may be a lot of substance abuse in that. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, on the short list for hopeless, we're talking about someone who's completely out of energy. They're despondent. They're depressed. They feel shame and grief. Uh, often they feel that they're unable to live up to the expectations of themselves or other people. In the sense mm-hmm. of how that might show up um, in an emotional type of a situation, someone is experiencing a, um, anxiety, they're fearful, they're depressed, maybe panic attacks, chronically irritable, um, losing control of their emotions, panic attacts. I think I said that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I really pay attention to that. Um, very mm-hmm. overwhelmed, and that, mm-hmm. um, agitated, and that in the behavioral part, so that's kind of emotional, and that you're going to notice, like, the change in some of their activities. And that, is there more alcohol consumption, sleep and eating disturbances that weren't there before, uh, acting very withdrawn, suspicious, kind of antisocial, maybe changes in their sexual functioning, um, hyper alert to their environment, uh, you know, maybe even a change in their speech patterns. Um, and then more general in that they're, just, they're, they're verbalizing issues more. doesn't necessarily mean they get listened to. They're just verbalizing more. And sometimes the more they verbalize, uh, the more others will shut off because they're tired of hearing it. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe a change in their personality. Someone starting to make a will and giving things away. Um, it, it surprises me how often someone goes through a checklist for planning and, you know, will say, oh, you know, it, I have this. I've always wanted you to have it. You know, here it is. And then afterwards, the person realizes, oh, no. They wanted me to have that because, you know, they were planning suicide. Uh, and so wow. someone who says, you know, I can't take this anymore and that mm-hmm. or has been agitated and then all of a sudden they're really calm. And that's when everybody thinks that they're fine. But what has actually happened is they've made the decision to take their life. And so now they feel they have a solution for what's been happening. So they're calm, and then it's really a shock when something does happen. And and I just want to take a moment more to say kind of about age differences. Sure, Um, sure. Kind of in that, like, um, well, the youngest suicidal person I ever dealt with was eight years old. But you're you're usually looking more in the, like, 11 to 25, where they're the most verbal and the least listened to. They're more impulsive. They're more... 
uh, subject to peer pressure, and their self-esteem is, is really still pretty fat, fragile. They haven't, you know, really made their place yet. In the mm-hmm. kind of 25 to 65, you're looking at someone who is more able to bottle up their emotions. They, they really wait until they just can't take it anymore, until they're, you know, like ready to explode. Uh, they act when they genuinely feel that they're out of options. And they're often sandwiched between needs from children and from aging parents. And mm-hmm. they're in that middle range where, um, you know, the, the, the children are kind of like, you know, spit-firing at them, and their aging parents who are frustrated in their aging are spit-firing at them. And they just, you know, feel like they just want to, you know, crawl on a shelf somewhere or just get away from it. And then Mm. over 65, that is the most difficult to recognize, the most difficult Mm. to intervene, Um, can happen from, you know, losing a life partner to illness or being traded in for a younger model um, Mm -hmm. or health challenges. And at that point, they're not going to give signs. This is the most difficult to recognize that something is going to happen. They want to exit on their own terms. And after mm-hmm. we go, oh, that's why they were getting all their papers in order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so that's kind of, um, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate that. And, um, I, I want Reginald to chime in on this too. But that's, that's very interesting. That's very interesting what, what you said, you know, because, you know, you do see people, uh, doing that. You know, I have known people to do that and then, you know, shortly after they checked out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Reginald, I'd like to hear uh, what it is that, um, um, you know, I'd like to hear your comments on, on the question, you know, about the risk factors and things like that. That's good information that, that Sandy uh, just, just articulated. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's really true of, of one of the risk factors of, you, you know, you've known, have you ever known a person uh, who's been married for, uh, 50, 60 years, you know, they met this person at 14, now they're, you know, 87, 88 years old, and, and they and they lose their life partner, and shortly that other person will follow suit, they will, they will pass on as well, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, they, they, they've lost their life partner, they're, you know, feeling hopeless, um, mm-hmm. also, um, one other thing, um, you know, Donnie Osmond, and, and, and I use this a lot, and, and mm-hmm. as a person who has experienced depression and anxiety and, and, and panic attacks, um, I remember Donnie Osmond about 20-something years ago, he was being interviewed, and uh, he was um, articulating how he was dealing and how he had dealt with anxiety and panic attacks, too. And, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, if I had a choice between having a panic attack or dying, I would choose dying. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that interview, I said, aha, that's how I used to feel when I was dealing with that. That's how mm-hmm. some of our clients feel. Not that they always want to die, but just that panic is just so overwhelming. So mm-hmm. combine that with someone who has uncontrolled panic attacks they're not on medication. They haven't seen someone. They're having these panic attacks three or four or five times a day. And mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, you know what, I can't take this anymore. And that's where the helplessness comes in. Because, again, uh, people 
consider suicide or who plan suicide, they want the pain to stop. The mm-hmm. pain is overwhelming, and they want that emotional pain to stop. That emotional pain is just as 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 bad, just as caustic as a physical pain. And mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people don't don't understand that that emotional pain is just as tough, just as bad as that physical pain, and it can cause that person, um, you know, to want that pain to stop. Mm-hmm. When I've um, always dealt with people with um, uh, a suicide ideation, I always ask them, "Do you do you have a plan? Mm-hmm. Have, have you had? Do you have a plan? If they have a plan, oh yes, Reggie, I'm 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 thinking of." I've made my will, or or I have a firearm, or or I have the pills and everything that 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 I'm going to take. Now they've sat down and they've made a plan. And they now, thought about bring, it, right? Now you have to bring mm-hmm. the cavalry in because they they've made that plan. If you're speaking mm-hmm. with the client and he or she says, "No, I don't have a plan," or just you know, just kind of thinking about it, and boy, I just want to, you know, just maybe things would be better, people would be better without me if I wasn't here, you know. So they haven't mm-hmm. made a plan, and like mm-hmm. Sam said, that a lot of times once that person makes that plan, now okay, I feel better, I'm calm now, um, I can I can I can do this. My pain will stop. And she's right. A lot mm-hmm. of people, relative, you know, when you do when you go back and you do the psychological autopsy and you're talking to parents and teacher or whatever, they say, well, they they were so calm, but. Two weeks ago, they were just really just out there. Was because they mm-hmm. made a plan now, and they feel better, and now they have a solution where they can. They have a solution to to resolving their their misery. You know, that's 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 really sad. It 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 is really sad, and I'm so glad that you know. In my opinion, I have two of the world's best. Um, people to talk about, um, you know, suicide, because as I said, it's the, it's the same thing as bullying. You know, they, they talked about it for a little bit, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm going to make the analogy of fashion. Let's say coveralls is in season and when it's hot and then now it's no longer talked, uh, you know, worn, but you know, you still got all these people that like to wear coveralls still, you know, it's the, so bullying, uh, depression, suicide, none of these things have, have gone away. But, you know, our world is so busy talking about, you know, other, you know, nonsense and paying attention to other nonsense instead of paying attention to the very fiber of our society. You know, I very well put the both of you. I'm just in awe of you uh, with, with what you're saying on this program. Now, and Sandy, and, you somewhat and, and, touched. And, and, I'm sorry. If I, could, if I could just jump in right quick. And, and I'm yes. awed, I'm completely awed at the amount or lack thereof of bullying programs that yes. are out there because this is still happening. I tell you guys, I deal with it all the time with, with clients, with kids that are in school who are being bullied, and it's just brushed aside. Mm-hmm. You know, teachers, the principal, you talk to the kid, oh, I, I told them, but, but they don't believe me. I told mm-hmm. them, and, and, and they don't, they, they don't want to talk to me about it. And, and mm-hmm. how many times can a kid be told this by the people who are supposed to, you know, look after them and, and, and protect them? In the past, I've had um, clients tell me, kids tell me that principals have, or teachers have told them, well, that's not my job to, to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. 
Yeah. So it is your job to deal with that. It's your job. Mm-hmm. It's being your, the principal, you're in charge of every person, be it teacher, student, custodial. You're in charge of the safety of every human being that comes into that school. Mm-hmm. And I'm just amazed that still now that I'm, uh, you know, talking to kids, uh, uh, you know, I met a kid at the grocery store a week or so ago, and he and I, you know, just happened to be talking, and he's, and he's telling me the story of how mm-hmm. well, the principal and the teacher said that, you know, they don't, they don't want to hear about it. And, and I, you know, I, I'm just amazed. I, I'm yeah. just amazed that these things, that these things that can prevent and assist kids are not in place. Yeah. I mean, Sandy and I are amazed all the time every time we confront the school and they turn us down. But that <laughs> that doesn't stop us from going after them, you know, um, you know, because it, it is very impo- important and it just gives me more gas. And I'm sure it's the same thing for uh, 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 Sandy, that it just gives us more gas because we see this is our passion. And when something is your passion, you see it. So this is something that we see that we know needs to you know, happen in society and, and, and we're not going to stop until we get, you know, that we just going to keep doing it. That's it. You know? Okay. Now, Sandy, you somewhat touched on this, but I'm going to ask this um, question anyway. Uh, there are symptoms and many signs that people can look for that will let a person know of depression or suicidal, potentially such as withdrawal or being recluse from family or friends or frequent crying or tearing up at odd situations. What are a couple of more symptoms, and this is also for you too, Rachel, but I'm going to Sandy for first. What are a couple more symptoms for people to look for in this situation? Okay. Uh, you know, if people just, in, in essence, I'm going to answer that first in the more general term. Um, if they were, would just tune in to what's going on, you know, the first step is to actually care about what's going on. And if they can tune in, it's going to be very helpful. And mm. uh, and I really just want to give a shout out too to what Reggie was just saying about the bullying. Everybody points their finger at somebody else and expects somebody else to step in and take care of it. And and then there's almost a, a whole pack of reasons. You know, they don't want to be the responsible one. They don't want the finger pointed at them. Uh, you know, they they so they try to pass it on. Um, and even with the symptoms and signs, the, the best thing to do is to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I have a workshop, I make people pair up and ask each other the question, you know, has there anything ever been so bad that you thought suicide was your solution? And you have to say suicide. Uh, you can't say, have you ever thought of hurting yourself? You can't say, um, you know, you can't say anything else. You literally have to say are things so bad? Have they ever been so bad? You know, and you need to be open to hearing the word yes. And mm-hmm. in, in our in our you know practice sessions in the workshop, I make everybody answer yes the first time the question is asked, is asked, and even when they know that they've been told to ask the question, they've been told to give a yes answer, they still have that panic feeling of oh my word, the person said yes, what am I supposed to do now? Mm-hmm. And the answer mm-hmm. is to talk about it. Um, yes. And that, what, what I want to do is I want to have a national ask the question day where at some point on the day, everybody has to turn to someone 
and ask them if things have ever been so bad they thought of suicide. And yes. you have to say suicide. You can't say, did you think of hurting yourself? Did you think of doing something? You have to use the suicide word. The su- you and have to say it, yeah. Because a lot of, yeah, not to interrupt you, because a lot of people hear that word suicide and it's, and you know, uh, you know, when I, when I have talked to people and then they say, well, you know, people will think that I'm crazy if I, mm-hmm. you know, well, the thing is, is that you do have some mental issues going on and you do need to get some help. And regardless of what people think, it's not what people think about you is what you think about you. So the thing is, is that I would love that to have a a, a national um, um, suicide day where you turn to that person. And I would even like to throw in, I would like to have a national bullying day. Matter of fact, I would like to have a whole month dedicated to bullying. Um, and and uh, that that um, you know people uh, talk to their children and their children talk to them or whatever you know and husband and wives you know they're being bullied on their jobs and and it doesn't just start at grammar school it goes all the way up the all the way up the the ladder there so you know we really need to get on this because we are losing our society members uh, has the way I want to put it we are losing a lot of our society members. For having strong mental capacity, we're losing them by leaps and bounds. We are, and I wish that we could sometimes talk about it as emotional blips and not mental illness. And that sometimes yeah. we have a tag on it that prevents people from being able to talk about it because they say, "Oh my God, they're mentally ill. Now what do I do? I'm going to stick them right. away, you know, in, in the proverbial closet." So I kind of like, you know, an emotional blip, a very dangerous emotional blip. But nonetheless, a person does not, it is not automatically mentally ill in the context of some of the, you know, diagnosable DSM mental illnesses um, to think about suicide and that. And, and I have like a short list. And that when I talk about the 10, you know, the 10 top things, you know, we're, we're looking at like stress, we're looking at trauma, we're looking at like PTSD, we're looking at relationship changes, we're looking mm-hmm. at situations in the workplace, we're looking at, you know, alcohol and substance abuse, we're looking at money problems, we're looking at these school and bullying problems, we're looking at family problems, we're ta- looking at, you know, some type of loss or grief or significant change, and we're looking at medical and mental health issues and that. So I, I separate those in a manner to attempt to make this more palatable to talk about. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I was saying that, you know, people, no, 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 they're going to think that I'm, that I'm crazy. I'm like, you know, and you do your best to soften it up so that they can, they can go in and, um, and seek help. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, you know, running, running, you know, in, in the time I'm keeping cognizant of my time. And, um, I want to say, you know, I have another question that I want to, you know, pose to the, you know, to the both of you. And I want to start off with Reginald. Um, JasonFoundation.com has some staggering statistics for youth suicide. Um, what they said is that suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 24. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for college age youth and, and ages 12 to 18. And more teenager, teenagers and young adults die from suicide than cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, 
stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease. And they they say that each day in our nation, there are an average of over 5,400 attempts by young people, grades 7 to 12. And four out of five teens who attempt suicide have given clear warnings. Now, my question to you, Reginald, what are some of the things we can do to help our teens should we encounter any of these issues, you know, so we kind of this issue, you know, the suicide and things like, you know, I want my listeners to, to hear this clear. Love them, listen to them and embrace them. Mm-hmm. I'll say that again. Love them, listen to them and embrace them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's difficult to be a teenager as it is. You know, you're you're growing physically and changing physically. You're growing uh, um, cognitively and, and and you're changing cognitively. So just the physical and the and the cognitive change of adolescence is difficult already. And then if you throw in um, if there's dysfunction in the family, and even if there's not dysfunction in the family, it's difficult. Or you throw mm-hmm. in um, uh, bullying and things like that, and 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 just want to talk about touch on bullying right quick. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. look how acceptable it is in the people that are running for president. Yes, that exactly. The things, that, the things that they say, the things. Yes, that they say, you know, I'm 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 looking. I'm, I'm going to try and listen to this debate tonight if I can. Maybe I'll need to have a barf bag next to me. But these guys are talking to each other like they're 14 years old in a locker room somewhere. Room. Exactly. So, you know, when people see yes. that, they think that it's, that it's acceptable. That this is you know, exactly. And this is something that you and I have talked about on previous shows. We've talked about this. We talked about you know the 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 shouting and the and the and the and the nasty uh words and 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 and, and accusations and lies and things and you have these people in the back you know going yeah 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 you know and I'm just going to say it you know it's it's all of them Donald Trump um Rubio and Cruz they're the, they're the three that's remaining now it's all of them you know and it's it's it you know it's it's just a terrible thing of how People learn from other people and and people running for these office positions, in my opinion, Rachel and Sandy and listeners, is that they should be cognizant of the fact that people are watching them. People are very easily led. People are very sheepish. And they're thinking, okay, yeah, this is the way to how we settle our differences. This is why I have this program. This is why I'm starting to go around doing speeches. This is why I do the things that I do, because I want to to help people as much as I possibly can, you know, um, to learn that the way that this is happening is not the way. That's 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 all I want to say. It's it's not the way. I would like for Sandy to 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 comment on that. We got about four minutes. No, I agree wholeheartedly. The whole uh, political arena is is really just terrible. They all need to be. Uh, taught how to deal with things in a more appropriate way that isn't setting such a bad model. And I, I did want to say one thing about um, families and parents and, and, and even just general responsibility. Uh, something that I have used, and I, I know it sounds very strange, 
but I call it eulogy therapy. And if someone isn't willing to sit down and talk to the person and let them know that they care about them, then I make them write the eulogy that they would have to be giving if they were standing there at the funeral, wishing that they could tell the person how they really felt. And wow. It, it, yeah. <laughs> um, wow. It, it's pretty powerful. And sometimes, you know, it's like you, it's the board hits them over the head to get their attention, to pay attention that this could happen. But mm-hmm. I, I have found it, you know, sadly to be very um, helpful in getting their attention and getting them to really sit down and talk as if they care because it takes them to the point of when they're sitting there and going, oh, no, what if I really was standing at the cemetery? What would I wish that I had been able to tell them? To talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but, you know, we have run out of time. We're going to have to, you know, have a part two of this discussion um, because, as usual, time goes by very fast. And and I so appreciate, you know, the both of you um, joining me on this very, very important topic. And I want to say to all of you out there, if if any of you out there need assistance regarding suicide, you can contact Reginald C. Campbell at 480-309-7374 and Sandy Roberts at 480-748-5527. Thank you to my wonderful listeners. I'll be broadcasting again on March 24th with another interesting topic. Register to vote. Be kind to yourself and others. Have a blessed day. This is Teresa E. Keyes.